Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Well, welcome everyone to CBE's podcast, Mutuality Matters. This particular thread is Women in Words, Bible Translation and Why It Matters to the World's Women. I'm very thankful to have as our guest, Dr. Daifus Shumurian. He has been active on CBE's Bible Translation Project. You can learn more about his work in the January episode, but this month, he's going to consider a number of questions as a significant uh, member of the Old Testament translation team. Welcome, Daifus. Thank you. So before uh, considering uh, some additional texts that were addressed by our Old Testament team, and thank you for those that you cited last month, can you discuss the process by which the team deliberated? I know you mentioned a bit of that last time, but can you say a bit more this month? Thank you. Um, our process is a very, very uh, clear in the sense that we have um, uh, assigned duties uh, to ourselves. We are five, four uh, uh, in the consulting team, and then we have the facilitator uh, who is like the balance, brings the balance uh, for us, taking the notes and um, typing uh, the decisions and chairing the sessions. So two of our colleagues do the drafting. They produce the original uh, draft, the initial drafts, which they share with the two of us who are more of consultants, looking at what colleagues have already um, produced. And so we get those uh, drafts and we study them and make our own uh, inputs and suggestions. And then a meeting is called by the chair. And during the, the meeting, we all now look at the drafts, those who drafted and those who read through them. And we start now going verse by verse, looking at the drafts and making suggestions, asking each other, what do we think? What are the various perspectives? Where we agree by consensus, we just move on. And where there are some disagreements, we ask for explanations and we listen to one another. And sometimes we convince one another and we move on. We agree on how do we do the rendering. Sometimes there are two options and we'll say, can we have one? in the text and another one in the footnotes to help the reader to see what is going on. And where we reach a stalemate on a day, in a particular day, because even a small, a single word can be problematic, mm -hmm. we sleep over it. We say, let's pray over it. Let's go and rethink and reflect on it and come another time, we'll address it. And we thank God that um, when we meet, Sometimes even after a heated exchange, you know, sometimes we forget we are translators and we become scholars. 
<laughs> we bring footnotes, we bring, uh, you know, bibliographies, and we want to defend our positions. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we arrive at um, the middle uh, positions. And that is what has helped us in our in our translation. So that's how the process then is documented because um, every translation must be, uh, you know, it must be a group thing, so a teamwork. And therefore, what the team has agreed on is what is uh, documented. That's how we go about uh, doing translation of the Old Testament um, uh, selected text at the moment. That's wonderful. Yes. Well, your scholars and your Christian scholars who evoke the spirit of God as you disagree and as you come together on a decision that seems good to you and good to the Holy Spirit. Um, Can you give us an example of of, uh, a time when you disagreed and you slept on it, you prayed together and you arrived at a, a amicable and agreed on translation this is i'll just I'll single out one that is uh, the book of job and the book of job uh, chapter 2 in verse 9 and um, we are looking at the the words of job's uh, wife so uh, in ESV and other translations in the original, the popular version has been, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Cast God and die. And so we are trying to address the word cast God. Is it cast? Because when you look at the original word of Barak in Hebrew can also mean bless. So question is, is the wife of Job saying, bless God, or is she saying, curse God? Mm, And uh, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Because the two, in the lexicon, the two positions are acceptable. Mm. So we were sort of divided. Some of us argued, some people argued that um, we retain it the way it is. The context seems to suggest that Job is just rebuking his wife because of the words she has said, which is negative words. She has not said a positive word, she has said a negative word. Cast God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, from a scholarly pers- uh, perspective, uh, some of us again felt uh, no. Uh, this is just a mis- misrepresentation of what uh, Job's wife is saying. Mm-hmm. Bless God. Mm-hmm. So we argued day one. We did not agree. Then there were a lot of references, even going to uh, Jewish uh, positions and all that. Eventually, the Spirit of God just rested on us. And then we said, what? Where do we go from here? And uh, we resolved that we can use a, because in most cases we use a footnote, which we might also put there, but this time we resolved to use speech marks. So we would say, bless God, but with speech marks. 
And uh, those pitch marks uh, can now indicate that these words may not be taken in a literal way. Mm. And so that was acceptable to all of us. And uh, we relaxed and uh, felt happy. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we, we had, we had, we, we, we were worked up. You know? Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. just one example. And it's, it's true, isn't it, Dyfus, that even though you faced these challenges, you were very worked up, and yet you managed to process, uh, move through differences, and come to a decision that everyone had peace with. That's true. Yeah, it's just such a great example of teamwork. I mean, we forget the struggle of teamwork. We want everything to be peaceful and calm and beautiful, but there's a struggle. And the struggle builds the team. It doesn't have to rip it apart. Yeah. It is it is one thing, uh, Mimi, that uh, readers don't really understand why translations take long. Mm-hmm. A single word can cause can uh, can cause sleepless nights for translators. <laughs> searching, right. searching, comparing versions, thinking through, thinking about the language. It right. takes it extends the duration, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it can be so exhausting. Right. That's why. Uh, we need to be praying for Bible translators because they can easily give up or the team can be divided or, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that is not good. So we thank God that eventually uh, there is agreement and, 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 and ways of resolving um, uh, uh, disagreements uh, and, and, and reaching at a consensus. Beautiful, beautiful. Right, it's a real sign of maturity when you can process these challenges and come to a decision that brings you together as colleagues. Uh, Looking at some of the translation issues uh, that the church continues to struggle with in the Old Testament as it relates to our project, GAB, Gender Accurate Bible, can you share how the translation team has resolved these? You mentioned the passage in Job. Uh, Can you think of one other example? Uh, let me just um, add to one of the most interesting uh, ways we handle um, a, a, a translation. The, in, in Numbers 27, verse 4, um, where the daughters of Selephahad also want a share. And here we were direct. Uh, and uh, we talked about. Uh, land instead of inheritance mm-hmm. and uh, so that it, it is let them be given land uh, mm-hmm. and not just to hide under the term inheritance why because uh, in many uh, countries where uh, when english speaking countries we also have uh, traditions and the land is the most um, important asset that uh, uh, parents uh, or people would inherit so when you hide under property, it becomes a problem. So it was good that we made that explicit to say mm. uh, that even land, because mm. uh, that is the meaning of inheritance uh, in, in that uh, in that uh, context. Mm. Beautiful. But when we talk about uh, some of the more challenging uh, translation issues, the church continues to struggle with, uh, with regard to the Old Testament. I want to say that um, 
the church uh, worldwide. Some have resolved them, some are yet to resolve, and some have, um, you know, they, they are still uh, considering various uh, positions. Some issues that are key are with regards to uh, involvement of women in uh, church leadership. Um, um, this has been an emotive uh, uh, question mm -hmm. over the years, mm -hmm. uh, where some, traditionally some churches thought women uh, do not have a biblical basis uh, for taking up leadership positions uh, in the church. And so whenever women are disqualified from um, leadership positions, reference is made to the Bible. Several supports are pointed out, sometimes misinterpretations. And um, just a few uh, cases. You know, by the way, I come from one of the churches that has recently just accepted to uh, grant women ordination, but I yet to agree that women can also be moderators or can be bishops, you know. They, they are still almost like wait mm. and see attitude. Mm. Mm. Anyway, some of the texts that are quickly brought out are one, for example, what seems to be interpretation of the New Testament rendering. If you talk about, um, for example, First Corinthians, um, in, in, in First Corinthians uh, chapter eleven, verse nine, or there, from seven to nine, twelve, there, um, it is it, like uh, church leaders or those who question the women would say women are uh, inferior. Uh, women uh, do not have the image uh, of God. They have the image of uh, men. Uh, and, 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 and so you find that this goes back to the Old Testament, goes back to Genesis. And um, those misinterpretations are carried over and then um, they inform the position to say that women do not qualify they are all young of who was the priest and all that is brought in. But let me address specific issues that are raised and which we have tried um, to resolve in our translation. One of those is uh, to say that where do women have authority? So even when the Bible is very clear that both uh, women and men are created in the image and likeness of God, there are those who still want to stick to the term, the, the term man, Adam as man, mm -hmm. and they do not care about the rest of the verse or even the other references. And so they would single out, isolate that verse and say, God says, let us create man. And so we have tried to address that by rendering, as I said before, that is a human uh, kind. Then there are also those who think that uh, women are, you know, the position of women in relation to men. Women are supposed to be completely uh, treated as properties of men. Mm -hmm. They are just helpers. And sometimes references made to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, um, where the popular traditional version would be God saying, um, uh, let's make it, it, I will make a helper 
So they have rendered that Ezel as a helper. And therefore, that in the, the eyes of the community makes women to be in a lower uh, position, even in a homestead. So women are then um, thought to be less than their husbands mm-hmm. uh, because they are just helpers. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and so those are the uh, nuances that we have tried to address and many others. So I would say in general, that there are those minor texts, minor renderings that have a lot of uh, significance when it comes to churches making decisions, and especially decisions with regard to leadership positions in church. Thank you so much. It's so helpful. I, I was grateful to hear you talk about the use of land in number seven four. Are there other regional uh, issues that your team examined and considered a wider audience? beyond just the Western world? Uh, let me say that um, the, there are other issues. Of course, the pro- we are still in the process. Some of them we have uh, tackled. Some of them we are yet to uh, tackle. But I would say in general, um, people tend to read the Bible uh, using their cultural lenses. And um, they quickly think that what they know from their culture is also what the Bible is saying, and yet that is not necessarily true. Let's look at a few examples. And across the globe, even the Western world, if you talk about um, a relationship, a wife and a husband, what many people would quickly think to imagine, even without any knowledge, is that the husband must be older than the wife. Mm. Where is that coming from? All that the wife must always have the name of the husband. Mm. This is traditional Western. I don't know it. It came from... Um, why should a wife lose her name? All that the husband, even in drawings, that the man should be that huge one, taller. I've never seen any drawing mm. that shows that the woman <laughs> is taller. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is not the correct position. No. Where did I... we get the imaginations information that uh, you know, that um, uh, one is taller, more masculine, the woman is weak and all that. So these are some of the things that people have carried on on their own cultures and they end up affecting the way uh, even spouses and couples relate in, mm-hmm. in the house. And yet they are just cultural uh, understandings. Mm-hmm. And so that women are reduced to property, they are neglected. If you came to Africa, for example, in some communities, mm-hmm. when someone comes to your home, they, are, they can ask, is there nobody? You know, they find a wife there, a woman, they, you know, the lady mm-hmm. there, and they're asking, where are people here? Just simply because they have not seen the, the, hus- the husband or the man. Mm-hmm. And even the lady also from the cultural perspective would say, there are no people. And yet she is a person. Oh, I know. Oh, goodness. So yeah. we want to, to do this Bible in a way that empowers 
Derrida uh, empowers uh, the female gender mm -hmm. to know that they are a people. A, mm. They are persons just like any other. Thank you. Yes. The Pew Research Foundation here in the U.S. did a study about 20 years ago. Uh, Mary Stuart Van Leeuwen cites this study, and she says, the average American man will marry a woman who is shorter, <clears throat> younger, less well-educated, and less wealthy than he is. So, so there's this sense of you don't want your wife to be an equal or even superior to you in these four categories. Things are definitely have definitely changed since then. But I think this might be an example of a, a sense of power and authority and dominance, uh, superiority maybe, that could be uh, trans-regional, trans-cultural. And I'm wondering, relative to the question you just addressed, uh, has it been your observation that women's authority and leadership issues as it concerns Bible translation isn't just in the United States or in Kenya or, or in Latin America? Where, do you see some trans-regional concerns in the work you do as a Bible translator on GAB? Yes, um, we, we, it's not really trans-regional, but uh, we can say that um, different categories of uh, people ac across the globe. And, and so, because now we live in a, 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 a more or less a global a village and ideas move very, very fast and the churches are you know, mm -hmm. dating one another, mm -hmm. uh, it would not be easy to just say it is regional per se. Mm -hmm. But wherever people are, certain categories of people, uh, you know, can be classified as thinking in a particular manner. And so we can talk about the highly educated. We can talk about uh, particular denominations, wherever they are. Uh, they have uh, different uh, ways of looking at it. However, uh, we we'll say that the rural communities, most oral communities. Uh, in the um, in 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 the uh, developing world, if I mm -hmm. may use that language, uh, would tend to be more um, uh, conservative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did recently. We had a, a program in 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 Rwanda, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a a clearly Christian country. Mm -hmm. Really, the Christian day is admirable. Mm -hmm. But if you listen carefully and look at the position of women uh, within in, in the Rwandan context, you would say that a lot has to be done because the culture there is very strong and um, um, men are still on the upper hand. And, uh, uh, and that's not just Rwanda, even the rest of uh, East mm -hmm. Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, that. Um, the mindset uh, of the people would still be like, oh, this is the position of a woman. Mm -hmm. And the woman would also be told, be, women don't do like that. There are those stereotypes mm -hmm. that um, are common mm -hmm. in, 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 in Africa, for example. We have a lot of cultural stereotypes. This is a place of a woman. 
Mm -hmm. uh, this is what he should not do. And even when they are in positions of leadership, even those who are ordained, um, they are serving together. Let's say it's a conference of uh, a clergy. And then you'll find that within that conference, uh, the male would want to sit and wait for the female counterparts to serve them. I think that doesn't happen so much in the West because it's different. But in Africa, a woman would still be expected to do the, what women are supposed to do, even if they have that um, a position. And so it's slowly uh, changing, but it's still a lot. Women are still being seen as less than uh, their male uh, counterparts in many, many aspects. Even in some countries, uh, the pay for women is still uh, less mm -hmm. compared to that for, uh, for men. And their privileges uh, for women are still much reduced. Why? Because mm -hmm. one of the things is that women are supposed to be having husbands who will take care of them. Mm. And so Yes, to that extent, regionally, that is the case where cultures are still very strong. Uh, women are still um, suffering a lot. So it is, and, and, and those communities that have recently embraced a, a, a Christ would also still be glued to their culture. And um, we find that this, actually, I think that's where most of our attention should be taken mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, where this translation that we are doing should go in a way that is liberating. That's where um, in such kind of regions that are oral communities, as I've said, um, that's where we find that women are mostly marginalized. Yes, wonderful. I'm grateful for your prioritizing those women who are marginalized around the world and really in every culture. We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, uh, and as we do so, you will hear from CBE's team about opportunities and events that we are sponsoring or co-hosting. And when we will come back to hear second part of this exciting interview with Old Testament translation member, Daifus Shimorian. So join us in a few minutes. Join us for CBE's 2024 International Conference in Denver, Colorado on July 26 to 28. Tell her story, Women in Scripture and History. Highlights include engaging workshops and keynote sessions, thought-provoking discussions, speakers who are experts in their field, and upfront access to egalitarian resources, and much more. Don't miss this chance to examine the evidence of women who have shaped scripture and our world throughout history. Registration opens in January. Let's scale the mountains of evidence to tell her story together. Learn more at cbe.today conference. Okay, Dyfus, this is going really well. I think you uh, are answering these questions in such original and insightful ways. Thank you so very much. We'll try to get through this the next four questions in 10 minutes or less, if possible. Um, okay. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, some of this, I'm so thankful that each person I interview from Gab has a different perspective on the work they've done. And it, it just adds to the rich context uh, and power of your team. So, okay, here we go. Welcome back everyone. Again, this is Mimi Haddad and I'm interviewing Dr. Daifus Shamorian, a member of our Old Testament team. So Daifus, in considering the history of Bible translation and those who have challenged flawed passages 
poorly translated passages related to women in leadership. Are you aware of anyone pre-1900s that made some of the same observations that your team is making today? Uh, thank you. Um, just a few of them. Um, I've not done a lot of research in this area, but I know that there are names that are uh, quickly serviced. Of course, let's begin with uh, Catherine Bushnell. Her work is really commendable. Even uh, to date, I would still recommend that whoever is engaged in gender studies in um, Bible translation must co consult that book. Uh, God's um, Word to Women mm -hmm. uh, is a very, very informative book. You read and you are so refreshed. It's as if uh, the work has just been done recently because mm -hmm. that work is, to me, very, very prophetic. Uh, and written in a style that is still very interesting uh, to date. Now, um, of course, when you read that, there are various um, uh, texts that she will bring out, uh, but let me not go there. Let me just refer to a few that I um, realized um, historically may, may not have been given um, wider coverage, mm -hmm. but um, um, in her book or in their work, uh, the work edited by Letty Russell, uh, Feminist Interpretation of the Bible, um, a chapter by Barbara, uh, Barbara uh, Brown, which the title is Feminist Consciousness in Historical Perspective. Quite a number of names are highlighted and what they did. For example, Sarah Krimke, Oh, yeah. An advocate of women's rights, and the one who was able to point out at um, masculine uh, biases, and then um, this is in 1850s. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we get names like Antoinette Brown, mm. who studied theology and actually was one of the first women to join a theological college, and she examined Paul's letters with feminist questions and um, uh, you know, leveraging Galatians 3.28 and advocating for the space of women. Uh, we have um, a renowned people like Elizabeth Cady Stanton, mm -hmm. who raised the issue of um, you know, the oppressive power within the Bible as well. And she went ahead and put together a committee of 20 women who studied uh, all gender-related texts and wrote commentaries on them. But we also have other real leaders like uh, Faber Palmer, mm -hmm. uh, who was a Methodist in 1859, um, actually one of the first we ordained. She defended the call of women in, in, in ministry. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the most well-known one is uh, Catherine Booth, the co-founder of the Salvation Army, uh, who as well in 1859 supported women involvement in uh, church leadership. And so we, we have uh, several uh, research researches that have been uh, done. And I think uh, continuously, it's not that women have not been speaking. I think continuously research will bring out those who have made uh, enormous contributions uh, for the cause of women uh, leadership in the church. 
Yeah, it's really um, so excellent. I think we need you to lead a workshop on this topic at our conference this summer. Uh, tell her story. I, I really don't think many people are aware of the contributions women have made, really even going back to Paula and Jerome, right, in the Latin Vulgate. Um, I find it interesting that when you look up the Latin Vulgate on the web and you read about its history, very rarely do you mm. hear, little time is given to Paula in the work she did in establishing translation teams in convents and monasteries, the, the purchase of these ancient manuscripts and so on. Most of the credit goes to Jerome. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was her idea in the first place. So we, we need to recover the women who were part of these important translation teams. And some, some scholars argue, like John Kohlenberger, he argued that you know, the, the most powerful translation team in history was the Latin Vulgate because they had access to these manuscripts, ancient manuscripts. And that's so, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So can you speak, Divis, to the fallout of failed Bible translation on girls and women, especially uh, as it leads to uh, human trafficking, the devaluation of women? They're not seen as fully human. You, you've touched on this before, but I'm trying to draw a closer link between Bible translation and the deflourishing of women created in God's image and given equal authority before the fall with men. Thank you. Yes, as I've said um, before, really the most of the um, problems or the fallouts are based on misinterpretation of um, the Genesis and, 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 and certain appalling texts, but I would really say that in general, the arguments um, that are given um, to, for oppression of women uh, are based on misinterpretations of uh, uh, the Torah. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the nuances that are made, for example, that uh, only men, uh, God is masculine, for example. Uh, men rank higher even in the order of creation, which are very uh, not true, that women are weaker you know, vessels, that women uh, were created um, much later than men, women are properties of uh, man and woman, his causes. So all those nuances are used, pin down uh, women, and to discourage them from rising up. And so, what we have done in translation mm -hmm. in general is to make explicit mm -hmm. uh, what is clearly implied. We are not adding anything, Mimi. Mm -hmm. We are not adding anything to the word of God. We are simply being accurate. We are simply um, uh, bringing out what is clearly implied and making it explicit mm -hmm. or what has been. Um, um, and, and downplayed by other versions. So in general, all our texts that are referred to and even what we have in our drafts have tried to bring up the position of women and therefore this also would give, uh, render uh, more dignity uh, to women to yes. bring them 
the level of their male counterparts. Oh, that's so powerful. I'm taking notes on this. <laughs> um, can you speak, Jaifas, uh, uh, or offer any other comments or observations uh, that you have like to make regarding some of the topics we've discussed or some of the translation options your team has uh, chosen? Overall, you know, the trajectory as I hear you is, is that you're not you're not adding words, but you're just helping make clear what is already clear in the original language. Um, it's a difficult task because there's, you know, Bible translation and theology itself is a 5,000 year conversation, right? So I'm just interested in any other observations or comments you'd like to make at this point. Yes, I'll, I'll just add uh, that um, the, the most influential translation would be the one that um, meets the expectations of the audience and one that communicates uh, to the audience, the target uh, audience. And mm -hmm. secondly, uh, every translation must be held accountable uh, on the terms uh, uh, on, 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 with regard to the purposes for which it was uh, uh, established. And so our scopus uh, as GAP is really uh, to address gender disparities and also to communicate effectively to the younger or contemporary uh, speakers because language changes after every 10 years or so, vocabularies come and the issues change and therefore there is need for um, communication uh, that is adequately um, directed to the expected, the greater majority of the audience. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we would not want uh, to have a situation where a Bible translation is reduced uh, to just um, a reference material. We yeah. want a translation that would be read. That's what we are doing, just reading and understand and consult only in very, very rare cases, but not to um, trouble a believer. A believer has no time to be asking or clarifying languages and all these things. They only want to hear the word of God the way it is. So mm -hmm. uh, we want to make ours, and ours indeed is as, mm -hmm. as, as easily accessible as we have tried to do. So that's what I would say, that the gap mm -hmm. translation, when it comes out, um, the only challenge we have is uh, because of uh, resources, we have not been able to do mm -hmm. book by book, mm. but uh, we would broaden our scope, not just to address problematic uh, areas where women are concerned, but also to look at the language in general. Thank you, that's very helpful. And I do believe that we will be doing book by book one, one year, one year it will come. And thank you. Again, for your time, your expertise, your passion for the team, for its objectives, for the gender accurate Bible, which we call GAB in our inner circle here. How can listeners, Dyfus, partner with you uh, and your team in their prayers and as, and as you work? How can we stand beside you and be in your corner? Thank you. Um... The team, the translation team and the CB in general, we require support in, in terms of prayers, 
uh, material support because this work is very, very uh, expensive. And uh, as I've said, Bible translation is not an event. Uh, it is a process. And for it to come out beautifully, all st steps of translation must be followed. And that requires a lot of resources. So I would really appeal uh, for all uh, God's people to grant us support by praying for the team, um, for the anointing, because you cannot do Bible translation when your mindset is not on the things of God. Then you will not be able to, you will not be effective, and that translation will not be acceptable. I would also want to pray that uh, we receive the support so that we expand uh, our, our, our work. Mm -hmm. to move from the book that we have just mentioned to go to more, you know, it takes not less than 10 years, but we can leverage uh, technology. So I would say just prayers and financial support are crucial for this work because this is work that is going to uplift uh, the level of women to, is going to uh, also bring dignity for both men and women in equal measure. Thanks. Amen. And I believe that is God's desire as well. So thank you, Divis, for your passion, for your gentleness, for your character, for the significant contribution you make in general with your church and in Kenya and to our GAB Bible Translation Project. It's been a wonderful conversation. I always enjoy time with you, learn so much from you, and thank you for your time today. Thanks to all of you for listening on. Stay tuned to new episodes coming to you each week from our wonderful team of podcast hosts and co-hosts. In the meantime, go to the show notes and learn more about our guest today. Follow links to his work and organizations that he is a part of. And visit our website at www.cbe international where you can access the world's largest, largest collection of resources uh, on Bible women men, authority, and leadership. Watch our videos, listen to our audio recordings from conferences and events, subscribe to our blog and magazine and academic journal, visit our bookstore, come to our conference this coming summer, the last weekend in July in Denver, Colorado, and pray for us. Join us as donors and supporters. This is Mimi Haddad and Dr. Shamorian thanking you and especially our tech lead, Landon, and those who work on our podcast team and staff overall. This is Mutuality Matters, and thanks for listening. God bless. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. 